This week on the How To Be 60 podcast, veteran broadcaster Eamon Holmes. As always, he doesn't mince his words. Opinions are like arseholes, aren't they? Everybody has one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. It's time for another look for at Live Beyond the Big Six O with me, Kay Adams, and her, Karen McKenzie. Um, I'm persisting with my strap line, Life Beyond the Big Six O, despite the fact that Karen thinks it's a sexual perversion. Well, you know how you don't like moist? I don't like strap. Well, I know you don't, but we're not going into that. I'm not going to be drawn into your smutty, smutty mind. <laughs> because we've got Eamon Holmes today. He's a good Belfast boy. So please he, try and contain yourself. Yes, you know, okay. Okay. But I just a complaint, you know, from a regular listener about that. Just the one. About you. Oh. Yeah, well, we've only got one regular listener. No. Um, so yeah, this was actually a friend of mine who listens. She said she was in her study. She was listening to the podcast of Denise Welsh, right? Right. Um, and there was workmen downstairs. I think she was getting some painting done right. or whatever. Um, and she didn't realise, but the painter had come up to ask her something. Just as you said to me in the podcast, have you ever videoed yourself having sex? <laughs> poor woman. It's like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> she was watching porn. <laughs> oh, and then do you think, God, do I explain this? No, it's not worth it. No, no, because then the painter goes back downstairs and good. Jesus Christ. We're going to get ourselves in the Daily Star at this rate. The very pinnacle <laughs> of news media. Other side of my darning, by the way. Oh, right. Smile's been off my face now. There's a wee story there. Oh, no. One of them's fine. One of those was cashmere. Yeah, they were both cashmere, were they not? No, I don't think the other one was. Was that right? The brown one, I don't think it was cashmere, but the blue it's one was cashmere. Right. favourite. Mm. Which one is there a story about? You know, the blue one. Well, I thought it was pretty much ruined anyway because there's a hole in the elbow. You just said you could dye it. What I've come to realise is I'm not great with contrasting colours. <laughs> <laughs> just looks like a bloody mess. <laughs> Does it? Aye. Maybe we could get one of those patches, you know, as we had in the 70s. Uh, do you know what, Kay? That was my next thing. I think you might have to get, in, you could get a hexagonal one or a, an octagonal one. Or, I used to get them in leather. Per- oh, I don't know, they're packed like Percy Thrower. This could fit my 66-year-old image. I'm actually quite into it. Anyway, you get them. Do they glue them on? I don't know. I don't know. I think you get iron on ones. Oh, God, they'd be like false ones. Leatherette or something. Yeah, well, it sounds like you anyway, absolutely you trash my jumper in a way. I know the other one's great, though. Right. Okay. And there were quite a few moth holes in it, can I just say? Right. Bring it in next week, will you? Uh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I actually well, I pressed them as well. Good. I washed them and pressed them. Pressed them. That's such an old fashioned word. Is it? Young people wouldn't know what you meant by pressing it. We just thought I leant against it and they all <laughs> pressed against it. Can it pressed? Do you remember people just have a press in their house? And Riley would say, go and get that out of the press. Oh, yeah, like a cupboard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. So there you go. Anyway, we're worried about it again. A lot of- you won't have much time for darning soon because. You and your skiving, Rishi Sunak, wants to get the over 50s back to the word that. So you are going to have to get up off your arse again instead of taking your dog walks and going for hamper vans and making tap. That's all I'm saying. Get back to bloody work and get the economy back on its feet. No thanks. Can you imagine? Well, for no ways, we weren't working with you. That's even a double up. I didn't bother that until just now. That's the only thing I can do. And I didn't even do that very well. So, no way. Oh, my God. As I say, wild horses, etc. 
Oh, Christ, seriously. Oh, my God. No. That's interesting. So I... Well, well, I mean, I just that you're so inverted. Oh my God! From the age of what fifty-seven, it was a countdown to the big six zero till I got out that door. Really, that mad? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Onion, never look back. So there's nothing that oh my soy you to go back to work. I feel I'm sitting on the fence, key here, right? Okay, I'm here. No, okay, I guess it. We will be a bit more. Absolutely, he haw. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting that because you know they're saying that there's a shortfall in the workforce and they're really trying to encourage people. Oh, it was coming out early sixties. No, no. Um, so there's lots of stuff in it, you know, in the news. And Dorothy Barron, I don't know. Do you I don't know. know. I've been getting my cakes that I made to have a cup of tea. that's what I've been doing in my spare time. Do you want one? It's a cardamom cake. <laughs> I'll just put it on your knit your script a bit sticky. This is the mark of like. A retired person who's not worked for five years. I'm trying to have a serious conversation and you wait a wee minute till I go in my bag to get my cardamom bun. And it's like, you notice everyone that's passing the window. I don't because I'm busy anyway. Sorry. No, I didn't know that woman that you mentioned. Who is she? Dorothy Byrne. She used to be a real big wig at the Channel Channel 4. Listen, I'm going to do this. I did this with your Christmas cake. Here, let's see what the cardamom buns are like. It's just out of the freezer. Oh, not too bad. Can piss off. <laughs> It's going to bang if you put it against a table in a microphone. Anyway, Dorothy Byrne, Just big wig really. at Channel 4, she's 69. She wrote a piece in uh, one of the broadsheets yesterday saying you've got to have a hard job getting particularly women back into the workforce because of age discrimination. People made to feel, once they get older in the workplace, that they're not wanted. And also menopause, big thing. And funny enough, I bumped into a friend of mine that I used to work with a million years ago who's still working. For a rival broadcast, Darren, I'll just say that. Um, is she older than you? I think she's a year older than me or something. And but she's happy to be there. She really she enjoys her work and everything. Right. But she was saying that she just kind of feels it that younger people in her workplace are trying to ease her out. Now, whether that's paranoia and je- or if whether it's genuine, I don't know. But she clearly feels that. You know, they fed vegetables. Fantastic. Did you feel a lot of experience? Did I? No, I didn't feel that at all. But people, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't your age. People just thought you were useless. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, I was the old. You make a good cardamom bun, though. Do you know what? It would have benefited from just a wee 30 seconds in the microwave to soften it. Yeah, it might have done that. And for a cardamom bun, it's not very cardamony. I was thinking that as well. <laughs> so it's just a bun. <laughs> That's bizarre because if you did put it in the microwave for 30 seconds, I should probably heat myself up there as well. I'm actually sitting here with a hot water bottle under my breath. It's so cold. You're looking at kangaroo. Poor Eamon. And Eamon, he's listening to you eating that. <laughs> a non cardamom bun. Um, do you know what? You could have given birth to Rishi Sunak. What do you mean? <laughs> because he's 42. He's 42. You could have given birth to him at the age of 20. Perfectly respectable. Christ, you could have given birth. You, you I'd have been a bit young. I'd have been a bit young. I would have been a bit when, young. When did you... No, I, I would have been a bit too young for a bit. You could have given birth to the Prime Minister. What age were you when you first had six? See, here she goes again. No, you're saying that I, I don't give a birth. Well, but on. She's good now. Belfast boy and you're talking about sex again. God, you drag me to it. Well, I mean, there's only that... I don't think I did. I well, we did. Engineer did. Um, <laughs> Nathan's inhaled a bit of the cardamom bun. 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 I mean, yeah, let's not go down here. No, let's not. Anyway, you two could have been. Um, sixteen. 
Um, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Oh, do you finally want to see my tattoo? Hang on, I'll get I'll get divested. Hang on, here we go. What do you think? It's the first time you've seen it in the flesh. Okay, that's lovely. That's so subtle. I'm actually really like yourself. That's very nice. Over twenty one to have lots of tape on it and No, no, doesn't it look good? That's beautiful. Are you serious? I am nice. serious. No, no, no. I'm nice. I'm, I'm nice. <laughs> I'm being honest. You're being honest in that. That's bad. I like it. I, I was really pleased with it. Very nice. And Freddie, you feel was it painful? Not at all. I don't know why everyone goes on about. No. Well, it's not that big. No, I. I mean, you know, as you know, I was considering getting it round my nipple. <laughs> nearly choked then. <laughs> oh my god! But I decided but the pair refused to do it at the last minute. I, I didn't feel it was fair to. Her. Um, and that might have been sore, but no, it was, it was absolutely nobody would have seen that. At least the sh- people got a chance to see that. How do you know that nobody would have seen my nipple? You've n- anyway, don't even doesn't like that kind of thing. Stop <laughs> it, stop it. Um, so we're going to do some emails, and then we're going to speak to Eamon. Um, podcast at htb60.com is our email address, and I have chosen this one from Gemma because um, she's from Northern Ireland. Oh, right. Um, and she says, hi, wait for this, wait for this. Hi, Karen and Kay. I just thought I'd put you first for a change, Karen. Uh, well, that's nice. Okay, don't don't dwell on it. Uh, loving the podcast, I'm a 51-year-old Northern Irish repressed woman. Try a wee bit of the accent. I, I'm very good at the Northern Ireland oh, accent. A wee bit then. But is that, I don't know if it's offensive to people. I don't know. I think maybe because we've got Eamon here, it's not. Do you think it's not? Okay, I am. I'm a 51-year-old Northern Irish repressed woman. Stop it, I'm good at it. Emphasising particularly with your upbringing, Karen, though on the Catholic side, really uncomfortable about talking about sex. My mother threw a box of Vespera into my bedroom and that was the height of my introduction to womanhood. Love it. It's quite good, don't you think? Accent's bloody good. It just remind me of what's-his-face. Who? Um, God, in the 70s, what's-his-name? His son went the Reverend Dean Presley. Yes, that's the very one. That's not really the, the sound I was looking for, to be perfectly honest. It's quite harsh. Anyway, I won't do that. So she's loving it all, loving it, loving it. Thank you very much. Read the ageing thing. Had a bit of a breakdown turning 50, uh, mainly due to work pressure, I think. Nearly jumped ship, but took cold feet. And I'm okay, but I'm slightly disappointed with the decision. I think it's drilled into you to have a sensible job, pensionable, permanent, and it's actually the bane of my life. I'm determined to retire from the current job at 55. Good. To hell with the pension. Delighted to hear. To hell with the planning. Love it. My mum had dementia for nearly 10 years, starting at 74, and I know that I'm genetically most like her. So I feel I need to live life from 55 to 70. I'm hoping not to last much longer after that. Let's be debaucherous in between. Debaucherous. As my husband has listened on a few occasions and has found them very funny. I have been slagging him off because he's made me feel old recently because he has started ordering old things on eBay. A lampshade for a tilly lamp. Oh my God, a tilly lamp. What is a tilly lamp? Are these not these ones that you... Um, actually, maybe they're not, that you used to get in caravans with the the little um, thing that looks like a... A tilly? No. It's, and, and they're turquoise as well, I think. I don't know why I always think they're going to be turquoise. Is it turquoise, Jim? I don't know. It is interesting that we're starting to order old things God. on on eBay and, and different things. I'd, I'd watch out for that. Susan says she's really looking forward to coming to the live show on the 21st of March. Oh, 
Um, yes, yeah, so we're doing a live show at Oran Moore in Glasgow for the Glasgow Comedy Festival. She says her mum turns 70 on the 19th of March, so we're coming along as part of the birthday celebration. Oh, nice. I have now introduced my mum and sister to the podcast and we are being thoroughly entertained. Thank you. And she says, I'm not sure if you do shout outs or anything like that, the live show, but could you wish my mum, Sandra, a happy birthday? Well, if we remember, we will do it because we can do whatever we want. Um, mum, so it's not great. So isn't that interesting you introduced your mum? You see, I, I wouldn't be introducing my mother. What, to this yeah, podcast? Mind you, 70's not that far away now. No. You're 63? What are you talking about? I know. Something. We're going to have Elaine C. Smith. We've just had that confirmed this morning. That absolutely exciting. Thrilled. So that's a live show, Orinmore, Glasgow, Tuesday, March the 21st. Glasgow Comedy Festival, and apparently the tickets are more or less sold out. It's very exciting. They're not, are they? They are. Oh, don't let that put you off, not applying. No, we, we left we left your name off the post, and I think that's really helped. Anyway, we'll speak to Eamon after this. Eamon, first of all, apologies for that accident. I was just going to ask, what did you think of it? What did you think? Well, it was very good. I do think it was very good, yeah. It was fine. It wasn't fine. cultural appropriation or anything. I think it was quite fine. If you can't have a little bit of laugh with somebody's accent, I just want to know, what is cardamom? What is cardamom? What is your tattoo off? Um, <laughs> what, is, what is all this about bedroom secrets as well? <laughs> and it's, it's, what is your tattoo off? You're ever the interviewer, aren't you, Eamon? You know, you're, you're, you're turning the tables. So here it is, you probably can't see it. So it says on it, over 21. That's um, what I've got. And the reason that I've done that and I never wanted a tattoo in my life yeah. my mum who kind of inspired this podcast I suppose because she was obsessed with her age she would not ever tell anyone her age right uh, and if anyone asked her and there was a famous incident when we got stopped by the police when she was speeding and the officer asked her her age or date of birth and she said over 21 over 21 <laughs> over 21 and we actually ended up in the local police station me, my mum and my brother and my dad had to come and sweet talk um, her out of the police station because she just would mm. not. Yeah. So um, so it, it's my mum, really, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and a tilly lamp, Karen, is um, a storm lamp. You, you get them on ships and things. You see them in all the old movies. If they ever want to burn a house down or a barn or whatever, they're the sort of lamps that had oil in them and they used to smash them on the floor then then the place would burn down. I hope you haven't been buying these on eBay, um, Eamon, because Gemma wouldn't like that. Yeah, Gemma, um, I'll tell you what I do buy, and it meets disdain from my wife and uh, my PA when she sees me doing it. I tend to look up toys, toys from when I was about 10 years of age. So anything to do with Airfix, soldiers, um, Captain Scarlet toys, Dinky, Corgi. Yeah. Yeah. It's things that made me very happy when I was when I was young, and then Ruth shouts, "Things arrive!" and she doesn't allow them in the house, and she calls dust collectors. And I'm not allowed to display anything. I used to have when I was a kid. I had lots of action men at 15, and I tried to start buying action men again, but Ruth put the kibosh on that as well. <laughs> well I don't know. It's just just sort of pining after. Lost years, isn't it? You know, he's quite old to have action men. No, he had 15 action men. <laughs> I had 15 action men when I was well, 10. She doesn't concentrate, Eamon. What can I say? It is funny to think of yourself as old. I mean, do you do you think of yourself as old, Eamon? What age are you? You're 63. 63, um, same as Karen, yeah. Um, 
I I I don't at all. My uh, recently I've, I've um, had mobility problems and mobility issues, and that's made me feel old. And I worry that that's branded me as old uh, because you can't move about a bit. But uh, as soon as I shirk that off, as soon as I get rid of that, no, I wouldn't for the for a moment consider myself old. And actually, people refer you you, you read in the press uh, things like. Um, Eamon is meal, pale and steel and all these sort of things. And you think, what? What are you talking about? So somebody, you know, somebody sent me on Twitter some pictures where I was a 21, 2, 23, 24-year-old uh, doing various interviews. And it's like yesterday. It's like absolutely yesterday. And and you think, where did all that time go? So sort of crept up in me quite quickly if I am, if I am old. But I have to accept, I suppose, I am old. I don't, I don't feel it, no. What, what keeps you young, even aside from oh God, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, whatever time you are, but what keeps you young outside work? I said, well, I was going to say work uh, in itself, but um, I said that my kids keep me young because they, every time I'm with them, it's laughter. My brothers keep me young um, because we just, we just laugh. We laugh all the time. Yeah. So laughter. Even if you think of the framing of that conversation, you know, we don't want to be old and like to say what keeps you young. So even within that, we are suggesting Mm -hmm. that old is bad, young is good. Yeah, 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 we are. I mean, I don't see myself, I mean, I see myself as top of my game or that, you know, that um, I've I've got all my faculties, um, uh, you know, so I can't really see why anybody would dismiss your experience or not want to benefit from your experience. I do think, though, in our industry, I mean, it is laughable, this obsession that television has with um, youth and the BBC recently, you know, getting rid of people in the pursuit of this audience that doesn't exist. You know, the fact that young people are going to listen to Radio 2 is completely laughable anyway. So they pursue an audience that doesn't exist for them by getting rid of people who are, really good at what they do. Um, so, I mean, I remember being in my early 50s and being got rid of at uh, Radio 5 because my figures were very good on a Saturday morning and everything was excellent. But the, the boss man, and he brought me out for lunch and basically said, um, right, you know, uh, your, your figures on a Saturday, I said, yeah, are brilliant. And he went, yes, but they're attracting the wrong type of people wrong type of people you're att- attracting older people and we don't want that and and I went ah fine so we lasted the first course which was soup and then I basically told him to fuck off and that was it and we was <laughs> that's the end of that and you use the expression male pale and stale yeah is it do you think where we are now and I mean this is probably heightened in the media but I think it will go beyond that is it a hard time to be a white bloke in your 60s Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. No one's interested in casting you. No one's interested in planning a program around you. No one's interested in your experience. Um, no, no one's interested. You do, you do not um, tick the right boxes for them in terms of your sexuality, ethnicity, um, whatever. You just it's it's your bottom of the list, I think, when it comes to choices. Yeah. I think it is a really difficult situation that we're in just now because for individuals, you know, um, who have worked incredibly hard, who have been incredibly motivated and have like done all the right things in their life, um, because of a sort of changing culture, they can think, well, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? You know, I've been working hard. I've been doing everything you asked of me. 
but there is a kind of bigger picture at play, isn't there? And and the bigger picture would be that other groups have been excluded from the workplace and haven't been given opportunities, and now it's time to sort of um, you know change the the equilibrium. Maybe we have to take a different attitude towards our sixties, you know, and say that work is not the be all and end all. You know, it doesn't define well, us. We need what, to do other things. No, well, it depends what bills you've got to pay. I mean. Uh... And, you know, can you pay for your dotage? Can you pay for your care home? Can you pay for, you know, someone to look after you? Um, or do you want to be reliant on the state? And when I look at the, the state that the, the care system is in and the lack of investment in it, and I've spent a lot of time in the past year uh, in NHS hospitals, and, and you can see how under-resourced they are. And um, so you try and look after yourself. So... It really depends. I mean, I thought by this age and stage, I'd be on cruise ships constantly going around the world. That was the dream that, that people like us were all promised, you know, that you would be playing golf and be on cruise ships and happily retired. But um, I, I never reached the stage where <laughs> I think my problem was I just always spent too much money in life. I earned money and I enjoyed spending it. So if I had my life to live over again, I would learn how to save. Yeah, that's what I would do. Very hard. Would you want to retire? No, no, not in the slightest. Oh, when you said, yeah, you thought by this stage in life you'd be doing cruise ships and all the rest of it. So do you see yourself carrying on working until, what, your 70s? Um, I Well, I don't think that's really up to me. Uh, if it was? And if it was, yes, I would, because I don't feel that old. I don't feel... You know, I feel I've got lots to contribute. I feel I'm across events in the world and think things that are happening. I don't think I'm an old fuddy-duddy and I don't understand this or that or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like working. I don't know about... Well, you, you obviously don't like working, Karen, but um, Kay, I, I assume you actually like the job that you do and that's why... You... Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I do. And it's funny, we had a conversation around this with Robson Green a couple of weeks ago because um, his dad was a, a miner um, and he very much came from that tradition that you could not wait to to get to retirement because you'd done a really, really tough job. Yeah. You know, so you worked to to pay the bills, but apart from that, your your real life carried on outside work. You know, work was what you did in order to have a life. And then our generation kind of said, well... No, we want to do work that we enjoy, you know, and I've been really fortunate in that and the same as, as you, Eamon. But then I think the problem we run up against is we don't create another life. I mean, Karen's always getting on at me because I don't have hobbies and I don't have outside interests. Do you have hobbies and outside interests that you would... No, I, I'm I'm with you. My job's my, my hobby and you talk about that physicality thing. I mean, I've my brother's my brother, Brian, who's a year younger than me, uh, you know, he fits carpets. He lugs carpets and felt and furniture around the place and whatever. And I think, how the hell do you do that? You're going to die on the job the way my father died on the job. So there's a difficult, there's a difference between doing what you and I do, Kay, in terms of using brain power and sitting in a seat and really, I mean, there's those are hands that have never worked a day in their life. They're quite small, quite smooth. And it's absolutely true. I compare those to my brothers who have bigger hands. They're gnarled. They, they know what it is to work. I, I don't know what it is to physically work and thank goodness and that would give me uh, a longer working lifespan I, I, I would think um, but by, by doing that yeah. So do you have outside interests? Um, I, I, football 
Um, I used to be able to walk the dog, now I can't do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, no, the answer was no. No, I think we need a list for you. We need to do something about this. Charity things, you know, you do charity things and... Um, but but no no I don't have you know a lot of lot of people you know they spend all day on the golf course so I'd love to be able to do that I think I would love that but um, you know you, you need mates I've always found that outside Belfast having left Belfast I, I've just always pined to go back to Belfast because that's where I associated with company and friendship and the crack and uh, whereas in in the London area it's my your minds away from everyone to get from you know. One part in the southwest, a part in the northeast, it's, it takes forever. I've never taken to London life. It's never been for me. It's a nice place to visit, um, but it's a, it's not for me. It's not what I would call home, really. But you spent most of your, your adult life there, Eamon. Well, physically, maybe. Mentally, no. Um, you know, I have a home in Belfast, and I go back there all the time, and everybody I know is there, my uh, four other brothers and, um, you know, two of my children and my grandchild is there as well. And, you know, so it's always had a call for me to, to be back in Northern Ireland, but that stretch of water is a big divide. It's a long way to go. I mean, even, you know, you guys in Glasgow, you can still be in London and get in a car or get on a train, whereas um, I can't really do that without crossing water. Um, so... It's a it's a funny it's a funny old place. I I find I find London can be very lonely. I don't I don't I don't have the same friendships or the same camaraderie with people uh, that I know in London because it's all just so disparate, so far apart. I've never I've never felt it uh, to be home or somewhere that I would call home. So now that you're in your your sixties, right? So we're ages with one another, as you said. Is there not a point that you think, right, you know what, we're in our last, is it the semester? What do they call it, the last in our life? Chapter. Chapter. No, that's not the word, but anyway. And I want to do things that I think will make me happy. What will make you happy? Would it be going back to Belfast to be with your brothers? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to have a house, nowadays probably a bungalow, with a sea view. Uh, I'd love to breathe in sea air. I and I always associate that with Ireland, really. Um, but I think that would make me happy. But having time for people and people having time for you—just simple things that would make me smile. I'm not—I'm not overly sophisticated. I don't think I need a lot in life. When you're growing up, you do. You think you need everything. You think you know you need a bigger house and you need things within that house and whatever. And then you get to stage probably sixty and you realise it's all just stuff. I don't need this stuff. The kids have grown up and they're gone. I don't need what's left behind anymore. So do you not think you deserve to be happy that you can actually see yourself moving to Belfast? Oh, gosh, yes. Trouble is, Ruth wouldn't go. That's a little snag. Don't she wouldn't go. She wouldn't go. Yeah. But I do like the idea. I do like the idea of being there. I don't, I mean, as you pointed out, Kay, my dad was dead at my age. So I sort of look... We saw you all of us sort of think, my brothers think, oh gosh, and we hit 63, 64, um, better be careful from here on in. And he struck me as very young when he died. I mean, that was a great shock. I was 30 at the time. And, um, uh, you know, you sort of think, well, there's, you, you, you would be things to do. I don't know what I've got to do, just, just to enjoy things. 
maybe maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I like working. I like the business that I'm in. Um, I'm very blessed and very lucky to know lots of people. In a way, I know too many people. You know so many people, you can't keep close to them all. Um, and, but as long as your health, your health is your wealth. I mean, that's the thing I've noticed in the, in the past, um, well, seven years. I had my, um, I had a double hip replacement seven years ago, and that's where it all started to go wrong for me. Is that um, Maggie in the background? That's Maggie. That's Maggie. He's <laughs> from Connie. She'll be saving us from another Amazon delivery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Corgi. Sorry. But the health, I mean, once your health goes, oh, you know, you, you can have all the money in the world and, and if your health goes, it's it's no good to you. Mobility and to be able just to enjoy things. I now look with envy. I look out the car and I see people striding along the pavement or whatever, and I look and I see how old they are and, and I sit and think, why can't I walk like that? You know, my legs don't support me at the minute. Hopefully it'll get better and, and things, things will change. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm envious now of people with really good health because that's that's it. Say that or nothing. I think that is a huge point. I mean, like we, we talk about that, don't we? I mean, touch wood and we really are touching wood at the moment. We, we're okay. I mean, you talk about looking after yourself and all the rest of it. But stuff happens. I mean, the longer you are on the planet, the bigger the chance that something is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I am very aware of that, as are you, Karen. And and for you, Eamon, unfortunately, it has happened. You know, your mobility yeah. is compromised. Yeah, yeah. It must be a hell of a shock because you spent your entire life being able to go where you wanted, when you wanted, do what you wanted. Yeah. And then, you know, you you are inhibited in doing that. Yeah, you're inhibited playing with a dog, you're inhibited um, playing with your grandchild, you're inhibited just socialising and and also the most awful thing is being dependent on other people and what that does for you. Being dependent for someone to get you a cup of tea, to get something from the fridge, to pass you the TV remote controls, to bring you to the bathroom sometimes, to... There's so many things where... where it's demoralizing having to ask. There's only so many times you can say, Karen, could you get me this? Karen, I'm sorry to ask you this. Kay, you wouldn't hand me that, would you? And you are dependent on if Kay decides, I'm fed up handing you things, get it yourself or whatever. It's a, it's very humiliating. So um, I do, you, you, you are appreciative. And the other thing is loneliness, talking to people, not having somebody else is aware now of, there are older people that I know that I would phone up and have a conversation with. I know I've known a lot of people who have died in the past year. Shocking, you know, people much younger than me, and um, just people who were in my whole circle. And you think, oh my God, it's not forever. None of this is forever. People in better health than me, and uh, just just awful things things happen. Ruth, Ruth, will go to me. There you go again, talking about death. I mean, the Irish are upset. They're quite. They're quite. Um, we're quite we're quite open about death, and we talk about death, and um, you know, visiting grave sites and things is quite a, a natural thing for us. But um, and I, I think that's healthy enough. Um, but it does make you realise people just fall like flies, and no one's guaranteed to get a full run at, at, at life. It's funny. I don't know what it's like with you and Stephen, Karen, but um, you know, in our house, Ian is Ruth. And I am you, Eamon, because, I mean, I can be quite kind of morbid sometimes and, you know, oh, well, you know, the way it happened and, and I'll, I'll talk about bad stuff happening. And he gets very irritated with me 
and you know he calls me negative and and he says I'm going to live forever. He's frightened about it. He's frightened about it. He doesn't do you think. Fear. Yeah, I do think I, I can look at Ruth and I think the reason she does not want to talk about this is that she doesn't want to um, uh, confront it. Yeah, confront okay, it. Live with the idea that this this may happen and there's every chance that this could happen. No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't like talking about gloomy things and whatever. Uh, yeah, Stephen sticks his hand, his fingers in his ears. Blah, 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 blah. So annoying. So he doesn't. He doesn't like talking about it. Too. No. And do you? Yeah, I think you've actually put your finger on it. I think he is frightened of it. Yeah. No, I'll talk about it. Yeah. Probably not really wanted to be there either, but I will talk about it. Yeah. I just want to make sure that the funeral's right. So do you think about it, Eamon? What, the funeral? Well, no, well, not just the funeral, but like life ending. Oh, gosh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know where I'm going to be buried. We've got a family plot and uh, my mum and dad are in there already and it leaves uh, four other places. So the rest of us have to fight it out uh, for, for, for the places. Um, I would love a rendition of Elvis Presley singing Bridge Over Troubled Water um, as, I, as they wheel me out at the end of it all. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, you've got to think about it. I. I like uh, the idea of lots of people wearing black and lots of incense and wailing, weeping and wailing. I like right. that. I, I don't want you know what people say. I want you to wear gay colours, bright colours, and everybody sing and be happy. And no, I don't want that in the slightest. I want you all being miserable and crying. <laughs> so if it wouldn't be a celebration of your life, it would be a totally miserable day, and everyone has to be crying. Yeah, I want to be respectful. And wear black. I can't stand people turning up at funerals wearing different colours. It's so funny, isn't it? I suppose it's what you want, if or don't want. No, I, I'm 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 with Eamon on this as well. I don't know where we must have got oh, past right, the, the program. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did, we we did um, a radio program together, and uh, there was a dilemma. So somebody was going to turn up, a young person was going to turn up to this funeral dressed in a gaudy dress, and whether or not they should, somebody should have a word. And I said, no, somebody should have a word because it's not about them. It's about, you know, the family of the person who's died and you should just be told, wear something black, you know, fade into the background. That's what you're supposed to do. You disagreed with me Uh and said they should be allowed to wear whatever they want. Well, I was at a funeral last week and I wore a red dress. Did you? Was that specified? Actually, it was a black dress with a red stripe and a pink stripe. No, it wasn't specified, but I like that dress and um, it likes me. And I wasn't going to wear black. Yeah. Oh no. I'm. I'm. I'm with you, Eamon. I want them black. And yeah. weeping and wheeling. Weeping. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think we should be talking about death more, or should we just, uh, you know, push it in the distance? Well, you see, I think the most lovely thing you can do for someone, a tribute to someone, is turn up at their funeral. So Ruth would say to me, um, "Why are you going to that funeral? Why are you doing that for?" And I'd say, "Because I know Jim." Uh, but it's not Jim who's dead. It's his mother and father. Or you know, you can't. You didn't know them. And I say, yeah, but I know him. Therefore, I'm born out of respect to him. And I think it's a lovely thing. And I've been at funerals where very few people have turned up, and I've been at funerals that um, where lots of people have turned up. And I also have been quite sad that I haven't been able to make certain funerals, particularly this year, because of my uh, restrictiveness and uh, getting across, getting on a plane, getting across the the RHC, whatever, and looking after myself the other side. So I do think it's a tremendous mark of respect to be able to turn up to someone's funeral and just be there for them, be be there. I think that's a great thing. I think that's, 
that's a duty. That's something we should all do. And I think it's very sad that if you've gone through life and six people have turned up at the end, you think, so that was it. They they were supposed to be your friends and that's what people thought of you. They couldn't be arsed on a Wednesday turning up for your funeral to say And I think that's the same with a lot of people. And it's, um, yeah. I mean, I know you were saying trouble getting to it. Your mum uh, died this year. Um and you you spoke at the funeral, but it had to be you know through a video link, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah did. Um, well, at least you know, at least at least it happened. But it was a it was a terrible thing to ever have to contemplate that, um, you know, that I wouldn't be at my own mother's funeral, that I wouldn't be lifting her coffin, and uh, but then she said, she said, I had I was able to tell her before she died. You know, I said, mum. I was in a hospital bed, she was in a hospital bed and we did a video link and I said, Mum, I just, I won't be able to be there, I can't be there. And she said, I don't want you there anyway. I said, that's a terrible thing. Does somebody not want me there for? She said, because if you go, it'll all be about you. Everybody will be looking at you and they'll all be talking about you. And it's not your day, it's my day. That's the yes, isn't it? <laughs> that must make you feel better to a degree. So she didn't want me there anyway, so that was fine, that was fine. Yeah. So your mum knew that she was dying. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how did she deal with that? Well, she she was very, very good. She, you know, all her nieces and nephews and people who came to see her. And, you know, she was very, very good with uh, everybody around her. And um, yeah, she just, she, you know, she told everybody she loved them. And it was, it was, it was very, very nice. So she was, her mind was absolutely, you know, pin sharp. Her body was incredibly frail, and um, you know that was it. She just she just faded away eventually. But um, yeah, that was she did. How did you deal with it? Um, well, I I found it very very hard to to deal with the fact that I couldn't be there. That was that was the big that was just the big thing that just couldn't be there. And a matter of fact, I still haven't been at her graveside. Although you know we get I get pictures of the headstone and. Various things, my and she's you know the lovely the biggest consolation we had was that my mum genuinely believed that when she died, that she would be immediately the first person she would see or meet would be my father, and uh, she see whether she's right or wrong, she believed that, and the fact that she believed that with her whole heart and soul made us um, easier about her passing, being happy for her. But um, she just was looking forward to being with Daddy, yeah. You know, it's funny, we've been doing this podcast for, oh, I don't know, 30-odd weeks, you know, and it's How to Be 60. Um, and I think this is the first time that we have really spent any length of time talking about death, which I suppose is a bit stupid, isn't it? I mean, because, of course, you want to be positive and think about this next chapter of life and all the things that you want to do and all the positive things, which, you know, we have done and we do a lot. But... We can't avoid that side of things. We shouldn't avoid that side of things. When I think about what I want to do, I mean, I've I've seen lots of things, and do you know what? If I if I was to write another autobiography, I think I would call it. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be, because I do think that about life or places you've travelled and people who say, "Well, oh, I had the most marvelous holiday and it was great." I'm more of the opinion it was all right. It was okay. Was 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 what it was. I mean, I would like to go and see the Northern Lights. I'd love to be able, I've never seen the Northern Lights. I'd like to do that. I'd like to go to the Mardi Gras. I'd like to go 
to the Rio Carnival. I think I think I would. I think I'd like to do these things. Um, I've seen icebergs in my time. That's an incredible thing to see. Um, there's certain things that you think you've taken this in and you've had fantastic views, but I'm just not sure there's anything overall that would would you know would be my dying wish to see or do. I'd like to see a rocket launch. I think I'd like to see that. Um, but, you know, there's not a lot of things that I would like. I've never been to Washington. I always thought I'd like to see Capitol Hill and the White House and things. But I think I'd probably be pretty underwhelmed by them. So what are the things then that in your life have given you a real sense of joy or reward or satisfaction? Manchester United. <laughs> really? Well... Being absolutely serious, yeah, Manchester United, yeah, which has uh, I've lived and breathed and and loved, and um, and it's given me huge distraction. My children, um, who are completely disrespectful and irreverent towards me, and uh, and they make me they make me laugh. They make me they just make me laugh, and um, and I know I'll never be gone as long as they live because you live on in them your your attitude, your sense of humour. My brothers, uh, you know, I always look forward to being with my brothers. All this Will and Harry nonsense, you know, Will the Apache helicopter, or sorry, Harry the Apache helicopter uh, commander and, you know, talking about his brother, slapping him in the face and he fell over a dog bowl and ripped his necklace off. He's like, oh, grow a pair for God's sake. Why didn't, <laughs> I'm sure one blow we could have killed him if he wanted to, you know. It's, I mean, I have four other brothers. And I think of all the things that we have thought about and done over the years, and yet we're all tight. We're not the Waltons. We don't sit, love you, Leonard, love you, Brian, love you, John Boy, you know. It's nothing, nothing like that. But it's, um, but we are we are tight. We are really solid, really good. And if one of my brothers was sounding off with that, I know exactly what would happen. If I was sounding off about them or they about me, the phone would ring and it would be, what the, and they would, you know, are you doing, are you, you know, and it would be in the, no uh, on certain terms, um, sort yourself out, button your mouth, um, or else that would be that would be it. So I, I don't really understand this this Will and Harry business. I mean, it's it's just so embarrassing for their father and everything to to do with it. But just sort it out, boys, for goodness' sake. And what about when granddaughter came along? Because that's a yes. whole new thing. Oh, it was a lovely thing, absolutely lovely thing. The most beautiful thing about that was my eldest boy, Declan. Um, to see how he adapted as a father, and um, and and I look at him and I go, "Was I as good a father as this? Was I, you know, the things that he does, his attentiveness to his child, the the way, you know, it wasn't left just to mum to to bring up the children or anything, you know. So many men nowadays, it's just so much very part of their their lives, what they what they do, what their duty is." Um, and it's it's lovely to see uh, bits of Declan in Amelia and bits of his wife Jenny in Amelia. Just 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 lovely. It's a whole new generation, a whole new thing to look forward to and talk about, and and that's been that's been lovely as well. Yeah. How do you feel when you have got that baby in your arms? Um, well, I feel like Santa Claus. I'll tell you why. Because do you know where you get these pictures? We used to go to the co-op or whatever, get pictured in Santa's grotto. And always you're crying on Santa's knee. There's like this thing, Santa's <laughs> holding you. So it's like every time I go near Amelia, she cries because she doesn't see me enough. You know? 
and uh, she's squealing and yelling and just wants to be with her dad. So she's one year and two months now. And um, but you know, she, I mean, so advanced. I mean, the way they they bring up children now and they're stimulated with sight and sound and uh, reading to them, and uh, oh, that's just amazing the, the amount of. Uh, uh, facilities that are available to kids and, and, and things that they, they can do. Now, I think they're more advanced than my kids were at that age and that I would have been at that age as well. So what kind of comes through loud and clear, Eamon, in terms of, you know, the important foundations of your life? It's about the people in your life. Well, people are, I agree with you, I think people, what is life about people? What is life without friendship um you need good friends you do need good friends you need people you can pick up the phone to you need uh people you can and uh, laughter really with me you know laughter that you can you can just enjoy you can be yourself you can laugh at the world we're not allowed to laugh at anything nowadays you know especially in our jobs where we're in the public eye and um you can't be risky you can't be controversial you can't have a view or an opinion and um but to be able to do things in private and just laugh at the rest of the world, I think, is is very funny, very good, and it thing, makes things more hilarious, really. I mean, you and Ruth laugh a lot, don't you? Oh, I'd have to laugh a lot married to her, yes, you would. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you too. I mean, as she said, she always, she always said to me, if you didn't make me laugh so much, we'd be divorced. That's what she says. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we, we have a good relationship from the point of view. Ruth's got a very good sense of humor and, um, and we do, we do laugh a lot. She can take a joke very well. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, so how, how do you feeling now then? 63, how are you feeling about the next 10 years? Oh, I have no, no guarantee I'd be alive in the next 10 years. None, none whatsoever. Um, but I... I, I, I would like to be financially sound to be able to retire probably and to realise it's time to get off the stage by, by way and, and do that. At the same time, if someone said to me, hey, I mean, here's a, here's a programme on trains we'd like you to do across Canada or whatever, I'd say, yeah, fine, I'd do that. I'm quite quite happy to do that. Um, so I think health, I think you've got to maintain your health. That there's, there's no point living longer if you're not living better. So... You want to be ready for it. If, if they're going to stretch out this mortal coil, then you, you should be you should be ready for it. Yeah. Eamon, listen, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so it's always nice to speak to you. So thank you. Um, it'll be soon bedtime, so we better let you go. No one yeah. should go to your bed. When is bedtime? Well, it depends what time you you doze off. Uh, but I usually fall asleep in my armchair or. Um, if I consciously have footballs keeping me up or whatever, it'll be, it'll be 10 o'clock. All right, then. Thanks a million. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you, Aaron, as well. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Take to- care. Speak Bye. soon. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, we better let Eamon get off to his bed. We'll be back next week with someone I have admired for a very long time, no less than Joe Brand. Uh, Keep your emails coming in. It's podcast at htb60.com.